The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. Have you ever stopped to think about our hard-working heart valves? Did you know that as we are ageing, so too are our heart valves? Over time, our heart valves can become harder and thicker with calcium buildup. And when this occurs, our heart then has to work extra harder to pump that blood through a very narrowed valve. This is called aortic stenosis. People suffering from aortic stenosis can feel breathless, fatigued, and can even suffer dizziness and pains in their chest. So today we speak with Dr. Eric Yeaman, a cardiologist at St. John of God Hospital in Subiaco, about aortic stenosis and about a new procedure called TAVI, which is proving to be quite effective for some patients in treating this debilitating heart condition. We're with Dr. Yeaman. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Dr. Yeaman is a cardiologist at St. John of God Hospital in Subiaco, and today we're going to talk about aortic stenosis and current treatments. So can we start with what is aortic stenosis? So uh, the aortic valve is uh, the last valve of the heart. So when the heart contracts, uh, this valve opens, it allows the blood to enter into the body, feed the brain and the other organs, and then when the heart relaxes, it's supposed to close and make a seal to stop the blood from coming back into the heart. Mm. So aortic stenosis means narrowing of the valve, and basically it means the valve leaflets, the bits of the valve that are supposed to open and close, become thickened and calcified, uh, and they don't open so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very common. It's very common as you get older. Uh, it's mostly an old age problem. Um, and it can go for very many years before a patient has any problems with it or any symptoms relating to it. Okay. And can you have these issues? I know you were saying that it's something that you might get as you get older, but can you have these issues with your vowels and be born with these? Yeah, there are certain conditions where the valve is born uh, where you're born with a valve that's slightly malformed. Mm. Uh, most most of those conditions, you don't feel it or know it early on in life. Mm. Uh, the doctor might listen to your heart and say there's a noise or a murmur. Uh, and sometimes that will lead to some testing that shows that the heart doesn't look quite right. Uh, and those people will usually run into problems with their valves a bit earlier. So okay. maybe in their 30s or 40s or 50s rather than their 70s or 80s. And so how common is the condition in Australia? So it's quite common. So aortic stenosis is the most common valve problem that we need to deal with. Okay. Um, And it does increase as you get older. So it depends on how you define it. But Mm. if you look at just people with severe narrowing of the valve, it's perhaps half to 1% of people above the age of 70. And then when you get above the age of 80, it's pushing up to 2 or 3 or 4%. Mm. Um, and, you know, even higher as you get older. And it's a, it's a wear and tear condition. So as expected, you'll see more of it as, as the patient ages. And I suppose we're all living, we're all living longer. Yep. So have you seen as a cardiologist the, the condition becoming more uh, diagnosed because we are living longer? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's more diagnosed because we're living longer. We're doing more tests. We're a little bit more engaged with the elderly patients as well than we used to be because there are new procedures available that perhaps we wouldn't have been able to offer them 10 or 15 years ago. So yeah. those things mean that we're more proactive 
at looking at older patients, mm-hmm. uh, you know, assessing their symptoms perhaps in more detail than we would have done 20 years ago. And so we're, we're uncovering more of these patients than we would have done. Yeah. Mm. What are some of the symptoms that perhaps a patient should be or people should be aware of that they think, oh, maybe I should go and speak yeah. to a doctor. Yeah, Something might yeah. not be right with my heart. Yeah. So, uh, look, the main problem is usually an issue during exercise or during exertion. And so it's often breathlessness, a change in your fitness Uh, breathing difficulty, inability to climb stairs. Sometimes it might be chest pain or tightness on the chest when you're walking or exercising, or in extreme cases, dizzy spells or blackouts. The other common way that we we find it is when a doctor examines a patient Mm. uh, and listens to their heart and hears a noise, a murmur, which would indicate that the valve is narrowed, and then the patient will then go on to have an echo ultrasound of the heart which diagnoses it. Mm. So what what I tell my older patients is, if you feel a change in your ability to get around, mm. it's it's very simple to just just ask your GP to have a listen to your heart. Mm. And sometimes that doesn't happen in in you mm. know these these GP appointments, which can be a little bit rushed. But it's quite simple to do that, and you'll pick up the majority of the of, of the cases at just least through listening to the heart with at a least stethoscope. Correct. Good old fashioned. Good old fashioned stethoscope. At least to know that mm. that that another test might need to be done or a referral. And what about I mean I and I mean I'm. A younger person, but I would still be thinking there'd be people out there who haven't exercised for a long time and they think, oh, you know what, I'm just short of breath because I'm really unfit. Correct. You probably get that told, oh, I didn't come earlier because I haven't been exercising. Is that real guilt sort of feeling? That's right, yeah. You know, how does someone then say, what's the difference between feeling shortness of breath when you're unfit and then it could be a heart problem or it's, you just don't know. It's really tricky. So I ask people to compare themselves to people their age. So mm. if you're doing roughly the same amount as a person your age, we're not expecting our 85-year-old patients to run marathons. Although people do now. They do. They do. <laughs> that's, that's true. But they're outliers. But yes. if you're getting around the shops and gardening and, you know, if you're if you're lucky, still on the golf course, et cetera, yeah. you're doing pretty well. And if you can keep up with your peers, generally you're doing okay. Yes. Uh, we do worry about the patients that don't exercise at all because mm. if you're sedentary, the valve can get quite bad in the background before – you notice because mm. you're not pushing your heart hard enough. And those patients are the ones that come to us fairly sick with the heart decompensated, weak from mm. the valve narrowing. Um, so it's a good reason, for example, to just try to maintain a, a bit of, yeah, maintain a bit of physical, physical, physical activity, activity as, well. as you get older and also to go for a checkup. So if you are sedentary, worthwhile to ask the GP to have a listen periodically once a year, yeah. you know, when you have your blood pressure checked, just get the GP to have a listen to your heart yep. and make sure that there's no noises there. Yeah, that's a good tip. And so you've sort of got in your mind, okay, I need to go and speak to my doctor. Things aren't right. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling mm-hmm great uh, with my heart and it could be my heart what would be the sort of tests that they would send them for so so the symptoms that that I described are pretty non-specific so yes. you know breathlessness could be just about anything but mm. but the the way we diagnose valve problems in aortic stenosis is an echo ultrasound of the heart which is a pretty simple non-invasive test yes. usually takes about 45 minutes there's no preparation required it's not it doesn't require any radiation so patients uh, shouldn't be worried no, it's a very very simple test like yeah. an ultrasound like a pregnant lady has yeah. to look at the baby but yeah. we look at the heart and you'll see the valves and operating the, and we see the valves operating yeah. and the Narrowing is quite evident on those tests. And so we've gone for a diagnosis, we've been diagnosed. So what are the current treatments that they might be offered? So 
the first thing to say is not everyone needs anything done. Okay. So if you're diagnosed with aortic stenosis, you might actually get referred for a cardiologist just to have surveillance. Mm. And if the, the narrowing is not severe or if you're coping quite well with it, exercising well, we can watch this for many years mm. without having to do anything. But if the narrowing is bad and the, there are symptoms associated with it, we do want to try and get in there and fix it up before something goes yeah. wrong. So broadly speaking, it's either open heart surgery, so a valve replacement, or this newer procedure that we have called transcatheter aortic valve implantation or TAVI, mm. which is a valve replacement through the groin. Okay. Uh, and, and the selection between the two depends a little bit on the patient themselves and their age and their, their other health issues. So that's good to know. So sometimes even though you might have been diagnosed with aortic stenosis or a valvular condition, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have to be rushed off to procedures, don't panic. It could be just normal wear and tear of ageing and that as long as you're under the guidance of a cardiologist, that it could be something that you just um, routinely look at with a cardiologist. That's right. Yep. So I have many patients where they just come in and have a chat once every year or two and we do yep. an echo and have a look at things and if they're feeling well, we don't need to do anything. And many yeah. of those patients don't need to have anything done their entire lives because yeah. it doesn't progress to get bad enough to require treatment. Uh, but when they've got symptoms, it is quite important for us to get in there and fix things up. And can you describe some of the procedures that you just spoke about? Yeah. So TAVI and, and yeah. Yeah. So, so the open heart surgery, people can imagine. So, yeah. you know, people are aware of... So they're still doing the open oh, heart surgery and like replacing the entire... Valve. Valve? Valve, yeah. Wow. yeah. So, so that, that's obviously very major surgery, but mm. is a very, very well-established uh, procedure. You yes. know, those operations have been done for 30, 40 years, very successfully with a very good track record. And so if you're a younger patient, uh, particularly if you're quite young, you know, mm. 60 or below, uh, we will generally ask for a surgeon to fix the problem up. And that, that operation is just and, as and you'd imagine. And that's a brand new valve. It's a like brand new Like getting a brand new set of tires for exactly your car. That's exactly right. Bio <laughs> bionic person. So um, it, it, that those valves could be mechanical mm -hmm. uh, or they can be made out of animal tissue, but essentially the, the operation is the same. So the surgeon in those cases has to open the breastbone mm -hmm. Um, and uh, during an operation, which usually takes about three hours, remove the bad heart valve, the narrowed heart valve, chuck it in the bin and wow. put in a, a new, new heart one. valve. It's yeah. amazing. And that usually takes, you know, three hours in the hospital, a couple of nights in intensive care and, you know, between five and seven days in the hospital recovering. Mm. And then, you know, usually a good six to 12 weeks before the patient is feeling back to semi-normal, you know, in mm. terms of getting their energy levels back. So quite a long recovery, even for young and healthy patients. Mm. The other operation we talked about, which is TAVI, is... And this is the procedure that you do? This is the procedure yeah. that I do here at Subiaco. So, so that operation is done through the groin. So it's a minimally invasive way of trying to achieve the same result. They won't feel anything. They're under anesthesia, yes. yeah, or, or a very heavy sed sedative, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the operation is much quicker. It usually takes only about an hour. And yeah. in that case, the, the uh, valve is being implanted usually through the femoral artery. So mm -hmm. the artery at the top of the leg, we make a small incision up there and we pass a valve which is crimped down. So it's basically... So how big would it be? I know it's hard with the podcast because I can't... It's hard. <laughs> how, how big would this when, valve be? Well, we inflate it with a balloon. So mm. it starts off quite small. It's crimped down onto the balloon. Yeah. And when we so like a few millimetres? It's about, uh, when it's crimped down, about 
maybe five millimeters. Oh, wow. About five millimeters. Yep. Yeah. So we, uh, we pass a tube up, which is a roughly yep. five millimeters. It's qu- quite a large tube, actually, if you yeah. think about it, into an artery, but, True. but much smaller than yeah. having a chest opened. Yeah. Uh, and then that that valve when it's inflated will usually be somewhere between 23 and 29 millimeters in diameter. So Mm -hmm. we inflate it up to the size of the patient's old heart valve, which we've measured. Um, So, so that procedure is done without stopping the heart means we don't have to, you know, open the chest. We don't have to put Mm. the patient in intensive care afterwards. They're working up immediately after the procedure. In many cases, they go home the following morning. Wow. So much less invasive, Mm. uh, probably a little bit less risky, you know, in terms of complications than the open heart, but a little bit newer. So we don't have a lot of track record behind Mm. it. We've got about 10 years of research behind it, but not 30 or 40 as we do with open heart. And would they have cardiac rehab? So once you've put these new valves in, Mm -hmm. would it be important then that the patient is – um, going back into some physical exercise mm. and making mm. their heart strong is yeah. it? Is well, that... so, some some don't need it. Okay. So because the because the whole thing happens in twenty four hours, forty eight hours, mm. many of them can just return to their normal activities immediately. Wow. We've had patients get on the golf course the following week. Really? Yeah. And have they noticed? Have you got a patient story where they've? You know, you've had a patient that had quite severe shortness of breath and then yeah. had Tavian. Yeah, so, so about- I've had patients that have had, uh, you know, keen golfers, not been able to get up the hill, have had to use buggies for the first time in their life, mm. and then within a week, you know, able to walk walk up the hills wow. of the golf course without a problem. And is that because they're just literally getting more blood pushing through the body so then their cells and their muscles can work? Is literally that as simple that. as that? Yeah, literally just that. You're, you're dealing with a condition where a narrowed valve has a fixed amount of blood that can go through with every heartbeat. And if you mm. try and increase the amount of blood you need in the body, like yeah. you do when you're exercising, you just can't meet those demands. Yeah, yeah, right. That's fantastic. And so how do you know if you're going to be a good candidate for TAVI? It, it, it's tricky. It's yeah. tricky. And, and this is something that we, we grapple with a lot as doctors. Because do you get patients that they've heard about it yeah. and they think, I want that. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. It's very, it's very, very tempting to yeah. go, well, I, I don't want to have open heart. Yes. And the studies recently that have been released suggest that certainly for patients above the age of maybe as, as young as 65, TAVI might be the preferred option mm. over open heart surgery. Now, in practice, we're actually limited by what the government will allow us to do. Yes. So the government actually has very um, prescriptive uh, guidelines. Uh, guidelines about where we're allowed to use it. So what normally happens when the question about TAVI arises, and it usually happens in patients who are older, usually above the age of 75, mm. or in patients that have already had open heart surgery. So if, if they've had bypass in the past and they don't want to do a second round of open heart surgery, that's usually when this question will come up. Then uh, they get reviewed by, by me and a surgeon. And we have to have a meeting, and that's actually mandated by the government. We have to ha- meet together to say, well, which is the right option for this individual What's patient? the best for the Correct. patient? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's some where we go, look, you know, you're too healthy for Tevi. You know, mm. you're too young. And although we would love to be able to offer it to you, we're, we have our hands tied and open heart surgery is what we And what I'd we imagine, want. too, we're now working till 70 past 70 so if you're looking at someone that's still active and Mm. they're working in their 70s 
they're thinking downtime from work. Yep. They're probably thinking about all those things. All of those things. And they're probably looking, oh, I can have this TAVI procedure all, and be all, out of there. All and, of those things. They, you know, yeah. they have their holidays their holidays planned and they've yes. got the, you know, the big golf tournament up, coming yeah. up. All of those things, are the, the weddings. and yeah. So we would like to use it more than we do. Yes. Actually, the technology, but at the moment, we're actually a little bit limited with who and, we can and can't use. And it I on. suppose until the research is there and you've got more breadth. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's coming. It's yeah. coming. You know, the research is very, very promising that this is at least as good as open heart surgery, if not better in many cases. But I think the government's being conservative, which is the correct thing yes. to do. Uh, and we are just having to follow those rules. But in practice, you know, if you're, if you're above the age of 75, which many of the patients are already, mm. we would at least consider it. Mm. Uh, taking the patient's health issues into account and their chances of prospects of recovery from open heart surgery, et cetera, yeah. we would at least ha- answer that question. The patient needs to be prepared that it, it is a bit of a journey to get to, mm. to a TAVI particularly. So there's quite a lot of testing that goes in beforehand. Uh, and although the procedure is really, really short, we spend hours mm. with the patient and with the scans that are required and with the angiogram and with the team meeting, probably three or four or five hours of work goes into every single procedure bef- behind the scenes, mm. not even just the appointment uh, that we the, that we have with them. So they, the patients have multiple appointments with doctors in order, certainly me and the surgeon, a nurse needs to assess them as well. Mm. Uh, and then quite a few tests leading up to that. And only at the end of that can we say, can we do the procedure? Yes. And if we can, is it the right thing? Should we be considering something else? Yeah. Uh, so it is a journey and, you know, people come in often saying, oh, you know, I've been told that this is the right thing and let's do it tomorrow. And it, 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 takes, a little, like it takes a little bit more planning. Yes. Yeah. No, that seems uh, very reasonable. So to sort of end with, is there things that we can be doing as patients, as, as people to really be looking after our valves or are they, are, they, yeah. are they parts of our heart that we can't really do much about? Yeah, quite right. There's nothing oh. really that you can do. <laughs> what you can do is to make sure that your, your heart and your organs are otherwise healthy. So yes. all of the things that we talked about, the surgeries and TAVI and watchful waiting when we do that, they're, they're all made better and safer if a patient is fit and healthy. Mm. So fit, active patients with happy heart muscles and happy lungs and happy organs because they've looked after their bodies, they're much easier to treat. And the mm. options available to them when the valve does narrow, if they're unlucky enough to experience that, are much greater the, when we do the procedure, it's much safer if they come in healthy apart mm. from the valve as opposed to there's a lot of stuff wrong with you because you haven't led, led the best life. Yes. So uh, physical activity is probably the most important of those. So people that come into us fit, not we're not talking marathon fit, yes. but fit enough uh, are much easier to deal with, much easier to rehabilitate than those who come to us. Unfit. And what's some general... So when you say fit, you know, maybe over the age of 60 or people Mm. that maybe haven't been exercising, what are some um, tips for physical activity Mm. for those people that don't put themselves at risk? You know, because I think sometimes people can haven't exercised for a long time and they think they get told, oh, you need to exercise. It's like... And how do you do it? How how do you do it it safely? Yep, yep. So meaning heart safe. Yeah, heart safe. Look, uh, if you're going to do something extreme, so if you've gone from, you know, couch to marathon, if you're doing something like that, yes. you probably ought to get looked at at the very least by the GP 
and you know have your heart assessed in some way and sometimes we'll do a stress test but if it's just i don't want to be on the couch anymore mm. we tell people expect to feel a bit breathless so lack of fitness will cause you to feel breathless so yes. don't don't feel discouraged by that and we start really simple a walk in the neighborhood down to the corner and back twice a day, five-minute mm. walk initially, and you gradually increase that. And then over the so course... So those sort of micro goals. Micro goals, exactly. If you, mm. set your st- if you set your goal too high, you'll get discouraged and yes. you'll, you'll feel terrible. And so doing a small amount, putting it into your rot- routine in some way. So mm. if you have a pet, that's helpful. If you can walk with, per- with, a, with another person, that's helpful. Mm. The other thing that we find is people have bad joints, they have bad yes. backs, their feet are bad, they don't want to get out, they, you know, their joints are sore. Getting in the pool is really helpful for yes. those people. And it doesn't have to be swimming if you're not a swimmer, just walking in the pool, taking the strain off your joints is a really helpful thing. And doing 15 minutes three times a week in the pool is a really, a really good, good start. start. Yep. Yep. And that's it's, so it's all about those sort of heart healthy tips that you would to keep our heart strong. And there's nothing particular we can do about our little no, valves. Unfortunately, if the valve's going to go, it's going to go. Uh, we can do things about it, thankfully. Yes, that yeah. is yeah. true. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Dr. Yeoman for giving his time and sharing his knowledge. To learn more about Dr. Yeoman and St. John of God Hospital Subiaco, visit sjog.org.au. And please, if you're suffering any symptoms mentioned in this interview or have any further questions, please seek medical help from a doctor. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share. As remember, by sharing knowledge, it empowers ourselves and others. And if you like this podcast episode, and if you could spend a minute just to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts, it is a huge help to giving independent podcasts like Meditalk a real hot go. For more episodes, head to meditalk.com.au. Thanks for listening.